Podcast. It's your host, Lee Oldman, aka at the Soccer Stone, with my dune and co-host Alex Reynold, aka new Twitter handle. Oh, football! Yeah, we looking nice. Damn. What up, a major Fitchy score twice. Damn. What's up, with Arsenal? They looking raw. Damn. What's up with Chelsea? Man, they looking flow. Yo, what's up there? I was gonna whisper the whole time. Oh no, I'm not. I'm here to scream, yell, uh, pontificate on how Chelsea just ain't that great. How you feel about that, Armo? Hold on, I'm coming back. (laughs) Just shut this door. We'll get that all in in due time. I ain't gonna whisper the whole time. Y'all might be able to catch me on a brand new Twitter handle here soon, but until then, just kind of lurking in the shadows. Telling people what I think without a name to my name. It's the much easier way to do things. Yep. Well, it's uh, been a while. It's, how we doing? We had a little international break sandwich for Thanksgiving dinner. That was not tasty at all. Hope y'all are feeling full. Last night, we kicked off the holiday season by attending Greenpoint's annual lighting of the Christmas kielbasa. A literal three-story kielbasa sausage decked out in sausage ornaments It's amazing. Usually lights. it lasts until past Christmas, but there were a lot of people there, and they were all kind of like going at it. There were a lot everyone of rats. Brought, everyone brought their mustard tool belts out, all the different kinds. A lot of rats. Honey, hot, spicy. Oh, how I wish that was true. Greenpoint needs a Christmas kielbasa. That would be nice. My dude went and got his coffees before we did this. Thank you very much. No problem. But as I look across the desk here, I'm seeing that your coffee is about <laughs> twice as big as my coffee. I got this little guy over here, and you got a big guy. Well, I don't know if you know, but I've been diagnosed with ADHD since I was six years old. The doctor said I wouldn't devote to drink coffee, but I like defying orders, and here I am with a bigger coffee than yours. <laughs> That's kind of like you're really like setting the table here. Like, I don't know. Well, I'm like, the big dog here. I got the whole command station, so I need coffee. I need to be double aware. I feel like I I'm was, running I'm, the task the manager, guy. the activity monitor. I've got the universal control going as well as the audacity pumping through. I feel like the fact that I'm not doing any of that makes me the big guy. I feel like the big guy's never doing much except just being big and, you know, just overseeing things, making sure everything's going right. Mm, not sure that's the case, big dude. Not what? in this case. Well, yeah, that's usually the case. <laughs> uh, speaking of big guys and the lack thereof, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was great. I uh, went to my place of employment at the whole gang together. We made a Fernsgiving. Everybody brought their own dish. I brought the, the, the time timeless classic, the green bean casserole. How Did you make that yourself? I made it myself, thanks to Campbell's mushroom, cream of mushroom soup. How did, how was it, how was it received onions. over at the, at the ferns? Like, well, I'm just going to say right now, of all the dishes, it was the one with the least amount left in it by the end. But was it the smallest dish? No, it wasn't. It was okay. actually one of, the, one of the more sizable What if we just ones? went to percentage of a dish left? You're saying that the casserole dish was one of the lowest. 70% gone. 70% gone, 30% left. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And not, There's not a lot a of lot, people. Not a lot of other dishes competed with that? Well, the empanadas, they all got taken up. But empanadas are different. You know, empanadas are... They're you like know, finger you just, food. You just kind exactly. of pick them up you and just, eat them. 
I had three on the way in the Uber, so it's like, all right. Yeah, no wonder they were all missing. Exactly. How was yours, bud? Mine went really well. I went up to Connecticut, saw some fam that I hadn't seen in a while. Was a little bit disappointed with the amount of leftovers I got. Wow, yeah, I was expecting you to come with like a whole bag of leftovers. I, I wasn't saying I was expecting to, but I was definitely hoping. Hashtag didn't secure the bag. <sighs> the bag was not secured. I, I went up there and... My my uncle's my uncle's wife's family, so my my aunt's family. They're recently married, and uh, they have a bunch of kids there. So I guess I didn't really take the kids into the equation. When you have a lot of kids, you you really, don't want to be there. You don't know. You don't want to be giving away that many leftovers. I think. Yeah, because now they like, they got the kids can eat. You know, they don't got to worry about prepping for like two days. Exactly. They could just make them like three day old turkey, and then they can go out to Morton's and get a steak. Hell yeah. As long as the kids get fed with something. Yeah, you know, they don't like Morton's anyways. Some they don't cereal. like chicken fingers at Morton's. So I, they gave me, a, like, three pieces of turkey in a Ziploc bag. That's and really bad. It was pretty bad. Boars had turkey, too. Oven gold roasted. Yeah, it was, it, they got it at the <laughs> bodega. Rough. Almost as rough as this game week was for me in both fantasy terms and Premier League terms. Losing, like, my seventh game in the last ten. Ooh. <laughs> Sliding down the table. I'm now six and seven. In our fan tracks league, I made some terrible pickups this week. But it wasn't as bad as Chelsea's performance against Spurs here in the 3-1 victory for Spurs at Wembley. This The uh, the, the first time in 31 years where, where Spurs got two successive wins against Chelsea. And you know, it's always bad losing to Tottenham per Frank Lampard because they make DVDs of the game. For the next 10 years. Yeah, we'll Tough be hearing one. about this one for a long time. Do you remember the 16-17, or maybe it was the 15-16 season when Spurs came second to Leicester City in their historic win? Spurs made season review DVDs, and they got blasted on Twitter because they just... Yeah. It was, the DVD was, was called like, Spurs Year in Review, Keeping Up the Pressure. We put the pressure on them. That's their mantra. That's well, their, good for them. That's they, their, uh, their slogan. They'd be putting the pressure... And they put the pressure on Chelsea from the get-go in this one. First minute on uh, high press from Spurs, and Chelsea really didn't have anything to do. They did a really nice job marking Jorginho out of the game. Jorginho looked very, very ordinary in this one, uh, as he has in the last few. So that's some questions there for what, Chelsea what's fans. What's up with that? What is, so what do you mean by that? Like uh, They Jorginho didn't allow him to receive the ball, or they made him Jorginho get wasn't allowed. Get like, both. Okay. Jorginho had to get rid of the ball quicker, and and when he when he got the ball, he had a man right on him. Sometimes he couldn't receive the ball, so Chelsea had to find other outlets, a la William or Hazard. That wasn't working out too well. For me, this game showed Chelsea fans like myself how there is to get out of this club. Uh, Luis Moses, Drinkwater, Morata, William, just a few names. Pedro even. Hmm. Oh, no, not Pedro, hmm. who you say I, I resemble the most when playing football. So it's sad to say. Did I say that? You did. You said, I, who do you think Who do you think you, you play most like on Chelsea? And I kind of think Fabregas, but you say Pedro, so. All right. I don't know. No, I think that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, you're just kind of like, uh, maybe, I kind of want to say, say William now, actually. Oh, man, no. Yeah. So you definitely got to get dropped. Most chances created, just nobody's putting them away. Or is it the opposite? I probably play like, uh, like Jaka. Huh. <laughs> like, man, not a lot of movement in the middle of the pitch. Don't pressure me when I got the ball, but 
If you give me tons of time and space, I might be able to pick a pass out. Nice. Hell yeah. Uh, it was an exciting game for sure. Uh, not you know, it was it was. I was excited. It was tough on it. me, but for a neutral, this must have been a great match to watch. Chelsea on an eighteen match uh, unbeaten spell. Yep. And Spurs doing the business. Spurs on their own spell of their own. They have five successive victories right now. They're doing the business, and this is the first victory they've had in those five where both Deli Ali and Erickson have played. They actually haven't played together since the fourth week of the season. And those two combined for the first goal, some bad marking in the box. David Luiz giving away a foul on the edge of the box. Which was like, if, if 100% is a clear foul and zero is not a foul at all, to me that was a 50-50. I didn't think that, that was, there was much in there. It looked more like, I, just I, think, I think his that body it, language kind of did him did him wrong there. Right, he right, barely touched the guy. Yeah, that's that was Donald kind of a Luis, David Luiz came in strong, though, but it didn't. It wasn't actually a strong foul, so it was yeah. given. Uh, and then some. I think some poor marking. Poor marking, maybe to put Jorginho and Kovacic on, on like Deli Ali. Trying to sandwich Deli Ali, who's bigger and stronger than both of them. And he went near post, hit Kepa in the hands, but it wasn't enough. And, and it that's Deli Ali's net. probably third or fourth headed goal against Chelsea in the last three games so that's what's up Daily Alley's a big man as we've seen in that one picture of him dude eat <laughs> oh uh, look at the average man to me <laughs> uh in this game for me it really came down to Spurs I think Spurs was played Chelsea right off the park Chelsea didn't really do anything to 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 show it otherwise the stats may show a little bit of discrepancy in that uh, Spurs had 18 shots to, to Chelsea's 13. Chelsea had possession 60% to 40. Uh, Five the, big probably chances the, probably for the Tottenham. Most... They just, the chances that they created were quality. Yeah, for sure. And, I, and they I, missed I three of them. Son, probably could have, all It could have been an 8-0 game. You yeah. know, the, the Giroud goal that he chipped in with the end was just, it was consolation to say the least. But hold on, hold on. So they scored first and they scored second. Right. A long-range shot through Harry Kane. And David Luiz, again, jumps out I of the way at fault on this one. Jumps did, out of the way. What kind of defender is taught to blo- to not block the ball, especially from 25 yards out? Some of the blame for Kepa, but I think the majority of the blame on this one has to go to so David I watched Luiz. A, I, watched, I was watching like a, the Gary Neville special or something with Thierry Henry. And Henry shot the ball. Neville got out of the way. And then Henry, and it went, ended up being a goal. And Henry's saying, you know, why'd you get out of the way? And Neville is saying that Van der Sar, the keeper back in the day, always used to say, don't deflect the ball. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look great for David Luiz, but I don't know. Like, that, I, th- I, I chalked that one up to, to Kepa more. How can he not even move from a shot from that far? Right. Yeah, I mean it was it was a strong shot. It it was savable for sure. But yeah. I, I think I think if you think that your defender is gonna put a block in, I mean as a as no, a but I thought that was an interesting like. I mean, obviously the defenders want to block the ball, but I thought that was an interesting point, like being uh, strategic when you take your time chances to block it. Yeah, I I think jumping out of the way there and putting your back to the ball and and flinging your heels up. Yeah, causes no, more deflections really than not. Bad. It just it wasn't. That, that was pretty bad. It wasn't great from David Luiz, and, and it wasn't the, the last goal, of it. The third, the third goal, goal was the best one of them all. Dele Alli and Son combining. Son putting Son Jorginho the to the, the pace to the yeah. races. Jorginho looking like Jorginho does in a foot race, and David Luiz again looking horrible there, not making a challenge at all, running bad spatially, bad. When it came time for the tackle, it was it was. Well, a, so so Son is just you know running down the right wing, uh, leaving Jorginho in the dust. So by the time he's like uh, 
he's right outside the 18 yard box. David Luiz has the opportunity to position himself in between Sun and the goal. Mm-hmm. Instead, down 2 0, Luiz goes for a really reckless, uh, headless chicken type attempt to get the ball off of him. Sun just skirt, skirt, right by him, leaves him. Leaves Not him. even a skirt, skirt, just keeps going, I feel. David Luiz is still <laughs> running past Sun, man. Yeah, he totally I missed time that run. Watching the, the, the zoomed in version of that goal. And just seeing like a flash just go across the screen, never to be seen again. David Luis just went home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Tottenham scored three. They could have scored more. Chelsea got a consolation goal at the end. Giroud! Aspilicueta. His first Premier League goal of the season. Congrats. Aspilicueta, who scored 15 and a half on the day, despite conceding three goals, that assist really helped. Yeah. Uh, found in Arlo White's. Uh, an Arlo White voice, Giroud's meaty forehead, meaty French forehead, meaty French forehead. It's gotta be French, dude. Could you imagine if there was like a meaty like American forehead? It just pfft. would be. I mean, the portion sizes here are much bigger, so that yeah. head would be ginormous, it's huge, be like Donkey Kong mode in Goldeneye. <laughs> uh, so they did get the consolation goal, but I know a lot of the discussion coming out of this game is how David Luiz is. I keep saying David. David Luiz is not a defender anymore. I'm going to say he? it. David Luiz is a midfielder. His his time as a as a top class defender are over. They've been over for a while. He's had great spells in this Chelsea team. He won the title 2 years ago in what was the best defense that that season. Chelsea hasn't put up a bad defense this season. As Definitely only, not. Only 11 right now goals. I see here in terms of uh, the Squawker performance performance index. All four Chelsea defenders are in the top twenty. Yeah, and Kepa is ranked third in terms of keeping. And I think so, the ma- I think the major that where that comes from is how much of the ball Chelsea has had this season. They for have, sure, for sure. Against against the outside the top six of teams, they've they've possessed the ball great, and they haven't let many shots in. So that's what I have written goals. down here is that. But are still, the def- are the defensive issues where it seemed like they're a direct result of Jorginho getting human played game. out of the game. Uh, because some of it, yes, so a lot of Chelsea Chelsea's... wasn't able to play the game that they play against, let's say, outside six top position opposition. Chelsea haven't gotten pushed back like that in a while, and a lot of it Spurs, is the possession Spurs's of press the ball. press was very high up the pitch. There right. was no outlet. Morata is not a main dude striker to hold up the ball, so Chelsea had no outlet in that game. Hazard tried to try to dribble his way out of out of uh, issues plenty of times that match. Dispossessed a few times. Aurier and Sissoko doing a great job marking Hazard out of this game. Uh, I think it really came down to Chelsea not having a plan B once once uh, Spurs was up 2-0. Uh, yeah. Chelsea could have had a penalty when it was 1-0. That was a clear penalty for me, bringing yeah, VAR more into the focus here. Uh, but it really comes down to the lack of plan B. When Jorginho is not able to get into this game, the Chelsea squad kind of doesn't have their orchestrator and their maestro so this this game just got worse and worse as it went on uh bad passes although i would say the the pass the pass statistics from this game spurs only with a 76 percent pass accuracy when when chelsea had 85 but spurs created the key passes where they counted i think i think tottenham were just going at it yeah so they didn't really one touch two touch up the field side to side up to kane kane did a great job in this game space 
Kane was the man of the match according to who scored with an 8.8, which is kind of weird for me. I really, really thought it was going to be Deli Ali with an assist and a goal. Same, Deli Ali uh, scored. Christian Eriksen was third in terms of fantasy points for the for the uh, for the week. He got 29 and a half, and Deli Ali was fifth with 28. So that's two Spurs players in the top five. Yeah, it doesn't. Both of those guys were, like I said, they hadn't played together since round four. Mm-hmm. And uh, together, they really make Spurs a different team. And I think that that is saying something that Spurs are were on a five-game winning streak and they just got these two guys back. Yeah, Spurs, Spurs ga- had to deal dangerous. with having a lot of guys out. They just For got sure. Vertonghen. Vertonghen's played his first game in over six weeks against Inter. He's played that whole game. So Spurs are starting to get all their men back. And we've made plenty of criticism uh, towards Spurs for not making any signings during the summer. But... Uh, they've done a great job with what they've had, and they've lost players, and they've they've found other players to fill in positions. So the Spurs team could be something to look out for. I think Chelsea was playing pretty well up until this game. Uh, what's up with what's up with the Conte and Jorginho situation yeah, this, here? This has been a, a huge talking point this week. You know, it's funny because I I had been saying this to you for a while, and we just saw a, a similar conversation on match of the day. Right. Yeah, right now is, Chelsea are playing in it's, a four-three-three with a pivot, with kind of one center defensive mid and two attacking midfielders in the center. And Conte, as one of the world's best center defensive mids, is playing in an attacking mid type role now. So my big thing about Jorginho and Conte is I think that Jorginho needs to play at the bottom of that pivot. Uh, he played okay against outside the six opposition but I think against the big teams like Liverpool, Man City and Tottenham who press so high up the pitch I think it needs to be more of a 4-2-3-1 with Kante being closer to Jorginho. What's interesting about that is that Sarri actually came out yesterday in the Europa League presser and told the media that he thought Kante tried to solve the problem of the Spurs game by himself venturing too far forward when he thinks he needs to be closer to Jorginho. So, 100%. I think Sarri is in accordance Sometimes to that. Sometimes Conte was the only guy in the box, and it was like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. I, I think I think something that's going to happen in due time, though, is that, that teams are going to leave Kante open, and, and this is Kante's really first time in this attacking midfield kind of position. I don't think he needs to be so far up the box, but I think in due time, once Kante understands, learns, and adapts to this, he's a top-class player. I think this will work out for Chelsea. My biggest problem is who's going to be the third midfielder. Kovacic, I think he's great, but he doesn't have much of his shooting boots on him, nor does he have creativity. So I think, again, we've spoken about this so much. There's three midfielders who kind of perform the same role, Jorginho being the outsider on that. Uh, I would have liked to have seen Barkley come on and play from the get-go, as I think he had a great few weeks uh, before the international break. But... Plenty of plenty of things to solve for Chelsea, and I think the big thing here in this game is that there was just no Plan B. So just in terms of fantasy value, being removed from that CDM position has has really nerfed Conte. He's only averaging six and a half or six point three points a game when previously in other seasons he was up closer to uh, nine to 5. nine eight twelve and a half. He's right. not being as involved in the in the defensive side of the game. Which is his strong suit. Yesterday, or, uh, against Spurs, he had seven interceptions, which is by far his most in a game. He had been averaging like less than one interception, less than one tackle a game. Mm-hmm. Jorginho, only averaging four and a half or so fantasy points per game. He's a, he's a midfield link, so he's not going to get right. that many key passes, shots. Jorginho and he's needs not to very get defensive. So he, 
If you wanted, to, if you had to pick between the two, you want to own Kante, but you are looking at him and saying that he's not worth what he was in previous years because he is being played out of position. And I think that there's a that's a little weird situation going on at Chelsea. He just signed Chelsea's most expensive contract in, in team history, so they signed. They have two a uh, fifty million pound. Uh, center midfielder that they just purchased this season, and then a three hundred thousand a week center midfielder that both want to play in the and same position. About one there's a little bit of there's a little bit of a, a log jam there, and yeah. uh, figuring out that situation, I think will will unlock Chelsea. And, My big thing is that Chelsea got say. through these eighteen matches, these initial eighteen matches under Sarri without losing, and they've looked. I still think that there's plenty of work to do, especially on the defensive side of things. I think. The next thing that Chelsea needs to do is buy a, a prime center back to to pair along Rudiger. I yeah, think there's a few. Nice. There's a few in Chelsea's ranks that could possibly do the job, but I'm really tired of seeing David Luiz. Love David Luiz. Own one of his jerseys. He's a club legend for sure. But I think that his time as a top center back are over. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here in in the winter transfer window. I think we're going to be going after a center back, but I'd like to see Ethan Ampadu get a get a run out. Yeah. Although sorry, thinks he's too young for that. I bought Ampadu in my FIFA Premier League. Guy's a ledge. He's great and yeah. he's pacey, and I would love to see FIFA him against ledge. Rudiger. And another thing is, I really think Marcos Alonso evaded a lot of the the criticism this week, but Marcos Alonso has shown time and time again when he's not contributing on the offensive side of things, that he's a liability in defense. Way too slow. Look at how he got skinned by Sun. That pass took him right out of that game. Sun was able to run down the flanks, although there was plenty of defensive cover for that goal to be avoided. I don't think that Chelsea are strong defensively. I think that they're really strong in possession. So yeah. their defensive stats look better for sure. than what their underlying uh fundamentals or underlying value actually is i agree Aspilicueta and, and rudiger good defenders David i think Luis, i think Aspilicueta is kind of a liability it. as well he's just i think i think if you look at how pacey the game has gotten especially in the premier league mm -hmm. i think you know Aspilicueta is going to struggle to to adapt and and to to be right in there so as you mentioned this is chelsea's first loss of the season so let's not overreact but i think it does it was it was coming give teams a template to play a better game against Chelsea. Right, and, and so the, we'll and see the how, game plan how the is there. Have, that they Marco, play over the next few weeks react. Marco Silva kind of brought the game plan to the fray up most when he when he marked Jorginho out of the game against Everton. So Jorginho's had drew, a few right? games now. Yeah, it was a nil-nil yeah. at Stanford Bridge. So it's been a few games now that Jorginho hasn't been able to cope with the pressures of the high press of the Premier League. So it's going to... I think it's going to take a, a a closer midfielder to him, whether that be Kante or to Barkley, to make sure that he's able to to perform to what we know he can. He's got the still has the most touches in the Premier League, most passes in the Premier League, but he needs to be better in these big games. He For looked... sure. Well, who's calling you here? I don't know. It's one of the journalists from the Daily Mail. Been tired of this guy. <laughs> Uh, let's move on, though. Yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the other top six teams here. Let's just hit some main talking points. Let's start with the with number one in the league what here, Manchester there, City. Dude. They're destroying the league right now. Not fun. L looking at some of their some of their attacking statistics, their second most in passes completed. Number one is. Wait, what are you saying? Second most in, in passes completed. Number one is. Oh man, is it is it the old David Silva? No. Uh, Oh, is that Laporte? Oh, wait, the whole team? Yeah. 
This is going great, by the way. Who's number? Who's number? <laughs> They're number one? two. Who's number one? Chelsea. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying right. which player on their team. No, they they had the most chances created, the most attempts on goal. Who's second? Liverpool. Chelsea again. Wow! Come on, yeah. Chelsea. They have twelve more goals than second place, and they have the second highest conversion percentage. So not only are they creating a shitload of shots, but they're making a lot of them as well. The highest conversion percentage in the league. It's got to be Arderman. You know it. And they're doing all of this without arguably their best player. Would you say KDB is their best player? One I or act- two, right? I actually think David Silva is their best player. I, I think that that makes sense right now, especially the way he's been playing. And uh, but Last year, we last didn't get year, to see we didn't get to see that because David Silva was going through yeah, some personal I think that's issues. a really good shout, actually, because I was thinking I think Aguero he's what makes or, them or pick. KDB, but what he's been out of this world. And they haven't missed KDB as much because Bernardo Silva has really uh, come into his own not playing in that as a as an outside role as he did last year, but kind of tucking in and playing where Bernardo or uh, where where KDB used to play, and that that pivot right there with Fernandinho in the CDM role, and then the two Silvas, B Silva and D Silva, mm, the Silva are, squad are doing a great job of providing opportunities to the front three. And Man City, can't wait another for them team. to be called the Silva Surfers. Yeah, that's ooh, it's about time that. that they're wow. I would love to get to those both those guys on my team and name my my fan tracks team that, but I doubt that you'd be able to get both of them. I'm gonna trade away my whole team. Yes, now. that's a great team name. I think the most surprising thing going on for City right now is the celebration celebration that Amiric Laporte does after he scores. Have what you seen this do? thing? No. It looks like he's like throwing around some nunchucks. Uh oh. Have you not seen this thing yet? No. So he's done it once in the Premier League. Last a uh, few nights ago, he scored against Lyon in the Champions League, and he did it again. It's mind-boggling and he only does it with himself i've never seen any other teammates join him on this so Bizarre. oh no no this hold is on, right. i'm pulling it up for you right here but it's it's kind of a it's a weird one here we go something happened versus wolves <laughs> he's just tossing around some nunchucks what i love I, i'm a big fan of this him one. and deli alley need to do a little hand and arm like those guys should talent be on like show. America's Next Top or something. Those guys, or those like, guys can do. Crazy who's got talent? Because he's good. yeah. The ladies love him. What what do you call those guys? They're contortionists. Yeah, <laughs> the ladies, sure. yeah. ladies love him. Every angle. Um, uh, but I think the most interesting thing right now, other than that, is that that's pretty interesting. Literally everybody on 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 City right now, I think, is a valuable fantasy piece. Minus the exactly defense. anybody, even their defense though. Which, they, apart from Mendy. But I I don't think that having Laporte on your team or Ederson. No, I think that they're gonna. I think that they look they a lot more a defensively lot of... stable than they did last season. Right. They're not leaking as many goals, so. But they're, they're but not they're, gonna get. But they're not gonna get the tackles getting... or the aerials, but right. they may. They they are pretty likely to to get the clean sheets, which is why I picked up Fabian Delph, who ended with eleven points, six points, or five and a half points, depending on where you look on fan tracks. Not liking that. <laughs> yeah. Zinchenko started the game against Lyon in the Champions League, so it'll be interesting to I see. I think that that means that Delph is going to get the start again. Yeah, Delph, Delph came on later on in that game. And your Delph. Leroy Sané scored the most fantasy points for the week, 41. That, that might be the highest thus far. It's Moving on to Manchester United. They kept a clean sheet in their game against Crystal Palace, but they could not score. Can never be both. Can never be both. Now, Manchester United, more aggravating than when you find bleach stains on your clothes at the laundromat. She had bleach on her. You think that everything is going well. You're doing your laundry. You're getting everything clean. You pick them up out the dryer. All of a sudden, you got bleach all over your clothes. 
That's what Manchester United is because they have the players and they have the team. But that's why you gotta have a laundromat lawyer. You do need a laundromat lawyer. There's you ever had that many, happen to you? You just mishaps. get bleach stains on your clothes. There's way too many like, mishaps. Multiple at the times, dude. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Hennessy looked brilliant in this one with five saves. Bit of contention as both teams had offside goals ruled off. Another case for VAR. I think both of them were correct decisions. Marginal in the case of Kuyate. Uh, I think Man U still has work to be done. It was an offensive lineup from the start, mm-hmm. minus Sanchez, who hasn't been getting a run out. Here he's the number one scapegoat for this team. But they started with the lineup that we prefer. It's, it's Lukaku up top with Martial and Mata on the right wing. Lingard getting a spot in the center mid. Did Lukaku get the start that week? This yeah, week? he did. Started this game against Crystal Palace. And I think Crystal Palace has done very well in this run of fixtures against Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, and Man U. Picking up two points It's not too shabby mm-hmm. for a team that really doesn't get that many shots off. That, wait, Crystal Palace? Crystal Palace, yeah. And then they have a four-game run of favorable fixtures for them before they play Manchester City on the 22nd of December. Crystal Palace's think it might second be half of the season is dudes. much better than the first half. Yeah. And they've, they've already played some of these top teams and... They haven't fared that badly. It's a lot of it. I think has they they're still figuring out what they want going forward. For sure. Uh, uh, but going back to Manchester United here, so Romelu Lukaku did make it back into the team after being dropped. Alexis Sanchez still riding the bench. I'm really not impressed with Mourinho's lack of uh, ability to integrate these two players into the team. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling for this sure. Guy, we how, know the how quality much money that have they spent on these two guys here. Yeah, I think Luke, I think Lukaku. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day in the shower, where I get most of my thoughts off r slash shower thoughts. I think Lukaku and Morata, those two guys, is the way the way their transfers were so stipulated, and then the opposing sets of fans going at each other about which one is better. Oh, Lukaku snubbed Chelsea for Manchester United. I think they've both had similar trajectories. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens to these two in the summer as I think that maybe Lukaku's not good enough to be on a, on a top six team. I feel like the, the job of the manager is to make the most out of your talent. And for him to not be playing these two guys, it's almost like he's saving himself. Because he's playing, he's he's just saying that these two guys just aren't good enough to play here right now. And then when you take those two guys out of the equation, Man U looks a lot more pedestrian. So if they don't make top four, if they don't perform well in their in the Champions League or in, in the FA Cup or or the Prem, then then a lot of the blame will go on those two players more so than it would Mourinho. I think it really goes down to Mourinho never really doing well when he has a director of football above him making transfers for him. I'm not sure if Lukaku was his decision. I'm not sure if Sanchez was either. I don't think he did. I really don't. Maybe he didn't want Sanchez. I don't think he wanted Sanchez. I just think that the opportunity was there to take Sanchez from a rival like Arsenal. And with Lukaku, it was between Lukaku and Morata. And I thought, I think that director of football, Ed Woodward, thought that getting Lukaku to snub Chelsea would be a moral victory. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't see him him really getting along with, with some of the transfers that have been brought to him. I think that he wants to make some of his own. Alexis and, Sanchez has been one of Man U's most creative players. Well, he's... Sometimes the most infuriating to watch. He's extra infuriating to watch 
when he plays on Man U because he's literally the only person trying to make something happen. So he stands out like a sore thumb. But a lot of it comes down to the other players on Man U not really linking up with him well. When I see him play, I still see a player that has the ability to pick out a pass and make something happen. And he's just not being surrounded by players with similar intents on Man U. Man U is a very lackadaisical club. For sure. And that's like the opposite of how Alexis Sanchez plays. Oh, how Man U fans would love to see the Alexis Sanchez of Arsenal. Well, a lot of the reason that there was an Alexis Sanchez of Arsenal is because he was playing on a team that worked well with his style of play. Mm-hmm. Man, you are so slow, so methodical. Fuck Pogba on the ball, one of the most to calm guys, if you want to put it nicely. Uh, Sanchez is is always running, always going one hundred percent, and and he's not. There's not a similar intent from the from the other players around him. Right, chemistry's off for sure. Uh, and I think that that says a lot about Mourinho. I'm really not impressed that he's dropped these two. And I'm not just saying that because I dropped at Alexis Sanchez in like the second or third round. I'm saying that because it's he's he's it's a cop out to not be playing these two guys. He needs to put him in the team. He needs to drop Jesse Lingard. Listen, Lingard has looked trash. He's not he's not getting into attacking Lingard positions. Lingard had a few opportunities in this game. Uh, he. he I think that he's got to get dropped. Really, they have four premier forwards. They got Lukaku, Sanchez, Martial, and Rashford. Rashford, if you want to include him in there. And they have to have three out of those four guys on the pitch at least at a time. All right, let's move on to Arsenal. Arsenal, big win. Lerma with the best goal, own goal. That's the best own goal I've ever seen. That I was a sh- nice one. That would have made Gary Cahill proud. I think he's trying out for Arsenal. I think he, who? Lerma. Lerma. I think he's tr- trying out for Gary Cahill's testimonial. Yeah? Yeah. It's coming up soon for sure. Gary Cahill's testimonial. Where everyone's, just everyone's going for starting own Starting 11 of, of that would own be goals. The, that would be the ultimate taking the piss out of Cahill. Uh, so Lerma got, there was an own goal. Arsenal got scored on sometime in the second half. Uh, on the very quick counterattack, something like six players, 15 touches, coast to coast. But then it was a through ball from a Wobi, slipped in class in that she tapped it home, looked a lot like a Man City goal, and uh, Pierre Emmerich or uh, Klasinac crosses it on the ground to Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang, who scores the second and the winning goal. Arsenal went with three in the back here for the first time this Premier League season, and I like this formation for Arsenal. I think it's a good one. What do you think? I think it's nice. I haven't seen enough of Popstadopadopadopsk. Have you have you been on this Papaloopdoopdoop train, though? Uh, I think you have to be, because if you've been watching these Arsenal games, you'll see that this dude's actually much quicker than than you would think, and uh, thou shall not pass is uh, written right underneath, his, right on top of his... Uh, his, his his door frame somewhere in his house because that's right. exactly what he's about. He's 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 a, just a big block. You know the Mario Party games, those freaking uh, the bricks, yeah. and then they like yeah, fall down on you guys? and flatten oh, you. For yeah, sure. he's he's that's that's that's, that's for soccer sure. team. You guys the most rectangular of them all. You just have like some shapes on that team. Yes, yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> or like uh like a little little kit or something for uh. For a five-year-old or something, mm-hmm. we got the square pieces, we got oh, the, the rectangle three, pieces. The three in the back's interesting. Are they going in the right holes against Bournemouth, who probably were not expecting that at all. Uh, a team that goes. Whoa! Emil Smith Rowe just scored for the Arsenal. Shout out! 
My guy. Who y'all playing? We're playing uh, some uh, coal miners from uh, Yugoslavia. Or wow, something. that's mad. But we're playing with a Emil Smith Rowe, Edward Nikita, Joe Willick front three. There we go. I can't wait to, for Chelsea to play against Pauk. Uh, so the th- the reason I like these three center backs, one, I like uh, Rob Holden getting into the team. He's had a very good start to the season, one of his best starts. He's starting a lot of games. Definitely a fantasy asset to look into. But here's Arsenal's problem this far is that all of, almost all of Arsenal, we don't have a true out-and-out winger. A lot of our guys want to tuck in. If you got you got a Wobi wants to tuck in, Mkhitaryan wants to tuck in, Ramsey wants to tuck in, Ozil wants to tuck in. And a lot of uh, the games where we haven't attacked well, we ended up either winning or drawing since we are on this some, something 16, 17 games run of form without a, without a loss. But... It's always the lack of width has been the issue for Arsenal. And by putting in three center backs, you can then play Kolasinic and Bellerin higher up on the outside. And I think that that provides Arsenal a little better shape going forward. It definitely worked for Kolasinic this week. He was the seventh highest scorer in the league with 26 and a half. He got the clean, he got the, uh, the assist for, uh, for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, along with some other key passes, he was active throughout the game. So I'm I'm a fan of this of this formation for Arsenal, and and uh, until we are able to buy a winger, potentially get uh, next season we'll get Reese Nelson back, so we can play with that with a wide midfielder. Let's I think, talk about I think wide midfielder Mkhitaryan real quick. Why don't want to talk about him? Shirking, to say the least. You think so? I think so. What's shirking about him? Uh, doesn't look like he's up to the pace, does he? Uh, no, he doesn't. I think the interesting he's thing not about like this he's not like he's not like firing on all cylinders. I just think that he's in 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 a best case scenario for Arsenal. We have somebody above him in the pecking order, and I think that Mkhitaryan could come on and and do a good job or like do his thing like once every three games, once every four games. Uh huh. But we need a more consistent player there. He's a little hot and cold right now. He's on a cold streak, but I think that that's sort of uh, who Mkhitaryan is. Goal against who was it? Like Sporting Lisbon or something? No, he got the he got the, the against equalizer Wolves? against Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's sort of who Mkhitaryan is as a player. He's really shit until he isn't. <coughs> right. And sometimes he, can, he can play a bunch of bad balls, this... but then he'll 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 pick a pass out, and you'll be like, "Why can't you do that?" I mean, kind of said it earlier, but this Arsenal team looks like nobody's actually safe. There's a there's a lot of movement going on, formations changing almost weekly, yeah, personnel changing. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Mkhitaryan start looking towards an exit should he not be. Getting... Well, he hasn't been playing that often, right? So he he is doing a lot of rotation, trying to figure out his best team. He, but you know what? To be honest, a lot of the attacking midfielders for Arsenal haven't been at 100%. Uh-huh. So it's still a work in progress, but I think that this 3-4-2-1 will be uh, a useful formation for Arsenal. Now, will they play this formation when both Lacazette and Aubameyang are fit? We'll see. I, I kind of That would be kind of cool if Aubameyang and Ozil played in the 2 underneath Lacazette at the 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, or it could be a 3-4-1-2. That's something to look at, but I think that the 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 main point here is by playing with three center backs, we play our fullbacks up higher. They're 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 turned into wing backs. That provides Arsenal the width that they need 
to spread out the other team going forward. And uh, that's where they've scored the majority of their goals. And from, they do, from, they from do, the wide areas. despite not playing in, in the wide areas that often. That's, that's where, where, where we've chances. had a lot of success. So I like this formation for Arsenal. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes moving forward. I think Liverpool, Bournemouth got a little bit hard done on this one, and we we were gonna speak about this a little bit last week. But Brooks scored a perfectly legal goal here in the legal minute, but it was ruled offside here, and it's brought VAR into the fray again. Luckily, we just got news last weekend that VAR is going to be implemented in the Premier League in the next season. We did. Are and you happy about that? I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. I was not impressed by VAR in the World Cup, but I think with another year under its belt to get out all of its kinks and a lot of the leagues, the top leagues already use it, I think it's more than welcomed to have it come to the Premier League. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the VAR. Last weekend, we had like four or five contentious uh, decisions made that I just think that the referees need a little help here. As long as it doesn't slow down the overall game. I know that when I sit down for a Premier League game, I'm going to have an hour and 45, hour and 47 minutes of sit-down time Love sit before down I could time. go Some and of my play Battlefield time. again. So... Well, back in my day, there was no VAR, and we just got along just fine. And if there was a bad call, we just went right up to the referee, looked him dead in the eyes, and called him a cunt. Yeah. So I don't know about all this technology coming uh, back into the, the, the fold here. All right, Shearer. Nah, tell your da that, that VAR is, is 100% necessary. If you look at any of uh, any any premier sports league or any any, you know, Look at let's take a look at American sports here. I mean, like yeah, every single not. sport's got the instant replay, and I think even that baseball, even freaking baseball's got it, and nobody watches baseball. So I think that it makes sense for one of the most popular sports, for the, one of the most popular leagues in the world, to try to get the calls correct. I think that that is the fairest thing. I don't know. I I wanted to do some research on this beforehand. Whether or not, what is it favored? Does it favor small teams? Does it favor big teams? The VAR. I think that the consensus is it would help small teams, but I can just see it going both ways. Uh, I think the only way, problem that I have with VAR correct. is that it's still subjective, so it's not a clear cut. Well, with the, it's got to be with certain things with the with, NFL, with, right? With it's handballs like, and with oh, well, with, that, those things, are and with penalties. Yeah. These things are still subjective, but at least it gives the referees another look at it. It seems as though. Referees are missing decisions where they're right in front of the incident. I just want to get the calls correct. A la correct. Chelsea if versus the game, Spurs. If, it's, if it takes a hundred and if it takes a an hour and forty seven minute game and turns it into an hour and fifty minute game, I'll take that as long as the calls are correct. I think that that's what we all want. Right, so. and we need to make sure that the times where they stop to watch replays are the right times. Let the game. Let the game. Uh, the only thing that I have a problem with is that. There, there can be an incident that happens two minutes prior. The game is still going on. The other team may score on the other side, but then they'll look at VAR and rule out the goal that the other team just scored because of the incident that happened previously and say it should have been a foul, should have been yeah. a penalty. So these kinds of things, I'm, I'm not sure if the fans of the game will enjoy this, and I think that there's going to be some teams that get majorly hard done by it. But so, there are teams all I think the time it's that still are getting majorly it's hard done by the lack thereof of, of the VAR, referees so. need help. I think that the look at the Saints game the other day where uh, Charlie Austin scored and it was ruled uh, not a goal because yeah. there was a, a defender, there was a 
attacking player in the box like 10 meters away from the goalkeeper who they judged as obstructing. Right. It's not, you know, it just they just need help. So, they do, and I think that the percentage of calls that are correct will improve with VAR, and that's what we all want. So let's just see. It. You know what? We can't do anything about it. And so, also, tell your ma I said, hello. Oh, so Arsenal, they had a formation change. They looked okay. Liverpool's been having a formation change. They've been using this 4-2-3-1 with Firmino as a center attacking man. And he's only gone. The square. And scored 25 and a half fantasy points this week in that CIM role. That's good for nine. Salah back. They look. They look. Uh, they scored three times. Wasn't an easy game for Liverpool. That they they kind of struggled in this game. Uh, Wofford Wofford doing the business up until the 70th minute when when Salah scored. That's when the floodgates opened and made this game look a little more better for Liverpool than it actually was. Right. The good thing for Liverpool fans is that Henderson got a red card. He's out for the next game. Liverpool fans rejoice. Ooh. Imagine. Wofford with a noticeably terrible pass success rate in this game, though, with They've 69%. Nice. Nice one, mate. But it was the return of the sword formation for Wofford. Love that one. It was man. Liverpool who put them Empire to the sword, State. though. Um, Let's talk about... I think that a lot of Liverpool's issues earlier in the season when they weren't playing well was the lack of uh, midfield... The the midfield not feeding the midfield the ball three to the having three. three guys that played the same kind of role right same thing that Chelsea's having an issue with right now so the front three were super isolated they were having some issues bringing back Firmino into the CIM type role uh, and taking out one of those redundant midfielders and adding Shakirian I think does a lot for this team we exactly. haven't seen a lot of game time with this in the Premier League. They're not scoring at such a prolific rate, but defensively they're doing better, and they're still scoring about their expected G is about a game, a goal and a half, which is still very good. Uh, and yeah. I think that it's a good. I don't think that we'll, we'll necessarily see this formation. Whoa, Aaron Ramsey just scored a nice penalty. Liverpool's gonna be. I don't think that we're gonna see this formation for the entire season, but I think that it's healthy for a team to have a couple formations that they play in. Definitely. Sort of to keep things fresh. Remember, let's not discount how f- prolific that Liverpool were last season with that four three three. And they, they brought in they, they brought in two good night. midfielders. So Paris they have they have, some, they have some kinks to work out. I like this four two three one formation, and I think it's a nice change of pace for them. Uh, at this point of the season, to keep things fresh, and they might need to keep things dangerous. really fresh because they might be going into the Europa League on the turn of the year. Liverpool needing a lot to get into the Champions League now, looking in a bad shape. Yeah, best start in Premier League history, worst start in Champions League history. But talking about the Premier League here, Liverpool just look solid. Mm-hmm. Van Dijk. They have the most amount of players in the top twenty-five this week, which includes a couple defenders, a couple forwards. Uh, Top down, they look really nice. I I think that we're all. I'm I'm hoping if if Arsenal doesn't win the Premier League, that Manchester City doesn't. So I I like this Liverpool team. Mm. What do you think about all that? I just kind of hope that they they throw in the towel and just end this Premier League right now. Yeah, just end the season. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, it would. Let's talk okay. about another team that probably hopes that the Premier League ends right now. It's Southampton. Southampton. Southampton like my number one relegation candidates almost a lock. Syrian. Yeah, I'm wow. Syrian. From the northern part. 
Southampton missing the creativity in this team, not getting enough shots off. Minus their dude, Stuart Armstrong. Who is that guy? Is he no Lance? I, <laughs> sure hope not. I don't know, but he's uh he he had a, he had a moonshot type game. He came out of freaking nowhere for seven point two million pounds from Celtic. Don't have many stats on this guy, but he he had a really twice. yeah he scored twice, and the second one was after a very nice build up play from Southampton. It was a nice team goal. You don't see a lot of those from those guys. And that's been Southampton's problem this season. They have not been finishing their shots. Very poor conversion rate. Over the last three weeks, they've had the least the nineteenth most. So the second least fantasy points. Uh, I mentioned in the international break sandwich that defensively they looked stronger than their than than you would than their goal differential showed because they got schlack six 0 or something by Man City. But right. those other three games, they actually played well. But it's offensively going forward where they're really struggling. They're just not. Scoring they're missing. The goals they're missing Tadic. Tadic, a Premier League legend, underappreciated. Yep, he was rated an eighty. FIFA. So you know he's good. And when you look at the rest of their team here, I mean, who do they got? Who is it? Like, Let's just think Ames, about who Shane they've Long. sold. Oh, unbelievable. Mane? Southampton have put themselves in this position. They haven't reinvested their, their money that they've gotten from these transfers well enough, and they haven't done the Southampton thing, which is bring good academy players into the picture. Yeah. Uh, it's all going wrong for Southampton right now, and it may be getting better for Fulham, who they played against and lost too. Fulham, starting with a new manager here, Claudio Ranieri, back in the Premier League. Could it be another Claudio Ranieri Amazing. masterclass? When, when you look at this Fulham team right now, where are they, 20th? Right. In the standings? Dead but last. When, you, when you look at this team, you just, you're like, wow, this team has players. They have so players. When, you, when I'm thinking about the relegation look candidates. Look at Mitrovic. They may have one of the most prolific strikers. That's not even a joke. That's, that's 100% true. Mitrovic is only 24. He just turned 24 years old. And this guy, is, I think, is poised to become a, a really impressive striker. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he'll be on Fulham for very long. No, I don't think so. But he he scored twice. That gave he was at uh, second in the Premier League with thirty points on the game week. The thing that's interesting about Fulham and what Claudio Ranieri has done in his short amount of time is put Callum Chambers in the defensive midfield role. That one did not quite work out as intended. Callum Chambers with only a 57% accurate pass rate. Two out of ten long balls completed. But could but he, he be what it takes to, de- to stop he was just, the defensive he was just a midfield. He was just a midfield defensive. Like, right, uh, he was just a body in you there. You can't really call him a destroyer because he really didn't destroy anything. He only had uh, one tackle and three interceptions. But he was a... That's a good way to put it. He was just a body in the midfield dedicated to providing a shield to that back four. He didn't, and he hasn't played CDM in a long time. He hasn't gotten a lot of game time, really. But not a bad introduction to the CDM type role for. He uh, played. He played as a CDM against Liverpool in the game before, where they lost two 0 But mm-hmm. I like how Claudia Ranieri has continued with that formation. I think that yeah. we saw Callum Chambers six starts play on the season. So he's, he's, variety he's, of different positions with Arsenal. He's played as a right back. He's played as a center back. He's ever played as a midfielder. I mean, he like I think that those games that he's played in other positions have sort of been like Needed. folklore, like like that one game where he played a right back and got like uh, absolutely obliterated by those guys from Swansea. Uh, I still remember that. That's not who he is. He's a center back or a CDM. Can I get some of that? You got nope. anything left in there? Come on. 
Uh, let's move on to Newcastle. Winning streak here. You made some 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 cool points about Newcastle in your article on our website, International Break Sandwich. Yeah, just that Newcastle had been a, a solid team that was sort of going through a a period where the results didn't match the performances, which was good for Newcastle because they were sort of underwhelming for a large period of that four game stretch. Arsenal just scored again. Joe Willock in the 41st minute. Mush dog. Back to Newcastle. Uh, they were, they had been underperforming, but they were in, in a run of games where their underperformances had led to results. And uh, they were they're introducing some players back into the fold. John Joe Shelby had been out for a long time. Uh, as had... I think Matt Solomon Ritchie was Rondon going through some injuries. Matt Ritchie was out for a while. Solomon Rondon was going through some injuries. So not only were they getting the results, but they were introducing some very important players back into the fold and as well. I think well. Solomon Rondon is that key dude for Newcastle just because he can hold up the ball and allow these players to get in. They do have some offensive players, some nice pass masters. Matt Ritchie's one of them. Kennedy, still a lot to prove. He's a very technical player. Yeah. But Solomon Rondon allows that team to huff the ball up to him, uh, I, hold it I, up, bring his players When I look at this team, I in. see a lot of like decent crossers. DeAndre Yedlin gets into dangerous positions and crosses the ball, as does Matt Ritchie. Matt Ritchie may have John had the Joe miss Shelby. of the season. I don't know if you saw Yeah, I don't know. I did see that. Was that was bad. a tough one. That ranks up there with some of the worst misses. Yeah, that was pretty bad. The mid did. But Kennedy has a... a Great cross. Yeah, I, I wanted. I, last week I, we were supposed to talk about the honed cross that he had to Solomon Rondon. Mm. That was an absolute beauty. If you want to replicate on that on FIFA, that's going to be square three times, and you need to gently press press your chin up to the touchpad while holding on to the left trigger. That's going to be a honed cross. Damn. That's what Kennedy provided. Honed fries. That's what Kennedy provided Rondon uh, last week. For a beautiful headed goal, and well, Rondon didn't have the same success again today, or against Burnley. There, he fits their style of play well. I think this is just all to say that Newcastle weren't as bad as they were looking in the beginning of the season. Only four or five weeks ago, they were twentieth. Now they're up to like thirteenth or fourteenth. Right. They have some players on their team, and and Rafael Benitez is a, a proven coach. Yep. With some with some players on this team. I don't think that they're relegation candidates, do you? No, I don't. Okay. But I think that Burnley is their opponents on Saturday, on Monday. Free, free falling. Yeah. Falling from grace. Europa League Burnley took was the away story our... of the season last season, coming in they sixth, were. getting into that Europa League. And Europa League giveth, and Europa League taketh away, and they're t- they took away Burnley's powers. Like, they're taking away my mango jewel pods, Not taking away quality. my powers. Not enough quality brought in. We've said it all season. We said it in September that we noticed that they didn't bring enough players in. How come every in? single one of Burnley's players looked the same? Oh, that's it's, the problem. It's really hard to They're to, hard to workers. They Burnley. get them from the factories out there. They're aerospace uh, workers. Yeah. You see that? They're just, they're just mending stuff together. Did they you hear about the... James Turkowski trying to build a plane with eight engines in the back? Tough on that. That don't work. All of last season's work being undone in one summer of complacency from Burnley, I picked them to be out nature. Do you? All right. I don't think that Robert Brady is going to be enough to bring them in. Goodmanson's out. They've got, I think, some favorable fixtures coming up, but 
They've yeah. only looked good in one game. That was the four niller against I think. What a weird. Walter. That was like what you uh, against what, what Bournemouth. Aberration or that was. That was crazy. Yeah, anomaly, anomalies. I I uh I I have a lot of anomalies go against me in the fan tracks league, so that's why we uh we like to say that. Who are your relegation favorites? All right, relegation two of mine. favorites. I'm looking at this this team here. I'm looking at Huddersfield. Uh, so pick quick point about Huddersfield here. Very good defensively, but offensively they're poor. Huddersfield is second in the power rankings right now. Nice. They've been averaging. Their defense has really done the business over the last three weeks. Moy, Aaron. I wanted, I'm going to take Crystal Palace out of the relegation battle. Mm-hmm. I think that they got the quality. I'm going to take Fulham out. Let's. This is a tight relegation battle here. That's uh. Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams within four points. Six teams within two points. So this this eight eight team bottom of the table: Newcastle, West Ham, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Burnley, Southampton, Cardiff, Fulham. Three of these teams are going to get relegated. I'm going to go ahead and say it's Southampton, Burnley, and our boy So Bombo. What's up? And what Cardiff. Oh. Cardiff's out, I think. I think Cardiff may have the steel to keep them in it barely. I think they'll be in a really tight battle come the end. But I don't, I don't see them. I think Southampton. I'm looking at the teams that aren't going to score goals here. Burnley. Southampton. Cardiff's got Callum Patterson, who, if he's not playing center, if he's not playing striker, then just count me out. Southampton, Cardiff, Burnley. Is that who your team is? Yeah. Southampton, Cardiff, Burnley? Uh, That's who I have. I think that those are my three most favorite with Huddersfield being the next next man up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I'm kind of cool with that. Yeah. Like, when you were looking at these teams... I don't want any teams from Wales being in the Premier League. Nah, your dad says that Wales ain't even in the UK. Yeah, exactly. As do most people who study uh, geography. But your dad definitely says it. Again, tell your ma. I said, oh, so. I'm not not impressed with this Burnley team. No. Southampton. I just don't. I when I'm just looking at this team, I don't think about a lot of quality players that can that can help. I think Southampton are going to play the pay the ultimate price for being a transfer club. Yeah, and I think that they got their model all wrong. Yes, when you have an academy, the idea is to make players good enough to sell, but you need to keep some of those guys, and they haven't done so. And now they're rocking with Charlie Austin and Danny Ings up top. Who'd you say was free falling earlier? Burnley. They're free falling like the New York service industry. <laughs> I had that written down actually. What does that mean? I don't know. Just that it's been really slow at our jobs right now. So they're free falling like my bank account. Dang. Mm. I don't like Burnley. I don't like Southampton. I don't like Cardiff. Right. I'm cool with all those teams getting relegated. In terms of likelihood, I think that they're probably the three most likely, followed by Huddersfield. Crystal Palace have only scored eight goals on the season. That's tied for the least with Huddersfield. Right. They've gone through uh, four game fixtures, four games of fixtures. But they've they've had weeks. one of the toughest schedules. Right. Exactly. So I think we'll we'll start seeing better from Crystal Palace starting now. They have some favorable games coming up. My guy's got one of the dustiest Playstations right now. <laughs> oh my god! Look at this. It's all good. 
Get that out of there, dude. Right, I need that go. to flow. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about our fan tracks league. As I mentioned before, I'm free falling. I'm now in fifth place, but I have like one of the highest point totals in the league, and I have some of the most points against. So I'm just I'm just out this season. Well, you're fifth in terms of points against. I'm third highest. It's 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 a it's gonna be a tough league. Uh, sexual hazard has won ten in a row. Yeah, going against. He's up him six this week. right now. He's really pulling away. There's a lot of like we have a really stretched out league. Uh, let me see here. What what, what was the uh, the live scoring looking? We've like? noticed that there's been some discrepancies in fan tracks lately. We kind of wanted to bring those to the fray. My biggest and most favorite one is that. Players who play in defense for Wolves, a, a la Ruben Vinagre and Johnny, they don't get on, goals against. They don't get Sasha goals allowed points against them. I haven't seen a negative two against Ruben Vinagre or Johnny yet this season, but they do get clean sheet points. Loving that. We're just trying to figure out whether that is because they play as a wing back, although they are playing in in the D and in the defensive area. So and Fabian Delph. Wait, Sasha. Just come say hi. Come say hi. Sasha just came into the studio. No, tell me why I say hi. Fabian Delph, if you looked on live scoring, scored 11 points. If you look on the players page, he scored six. And if you open up his, his player profile, he scored five and a half last week. So three different scores depending on where you look. Fantrack's a little buggy. Ooh, we got some great news from the Chelsea lineup here. Callum Hudson-Odoi is starting on the left wing. Come on! Uh, what other discrepancies have we seen lately? Yeah, it's, I, I, that's the biggest thing is that there's flex positioning in our league, something that we look to, to, to change next year. We want more uh, static defense, uh, positioning. And I think that's it's hard to, to track some of the stats here. Uh, just because if you put players in a different position, if they score a goal, it's worth more. If you put them in the defense, then they get clean sheet points. Yeah. So it's tough to outright say what players' total like total points are in the season just because of this. Yeah, it's a little tough, but I just do it anyways. And <laughs> we hate fan tracks. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. Fan tracks sponsor our podcast. Mister Alga. Uh, that's about it for this week. Good roundup. Got to talk deep dive the Tottenham Chelsea game. Talked a little top six. Talked a little relegation battle. Uh, talked a little VAR. Talked a little VAR. We had some Champions League games this week. We got some Europa League today. Arsenal still up three goals to nil. I'm looking forward to uh, to next Saturday. Yeah, we got some I big like games this weekend. Like Sunday bad. we have Chelsea, Fulham, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Liverpool, Everton. That's Derby Day. We got the West London Derby, the North London Derby, and the Merseyside Derby. These 10 o'clock games on Saturday are clutch. Going to have to miss I don't all of those. Why? No. Nah, but we might, do, be, do might be getting like a dog. So. Do you feel like there's been this many uh, 10 o'clock games on Saturday? How many do we have here? Seven? I mean, like, I'm just mean, like, I feel like... Well, there's this, one on Friday. We I have like a game pre- tomorrow. It's Cardiff versus Wolves. I feel like in previous... Uh, Who, seasons that there hasn't been like it's always been an earlier start than ten. Is that a new thing? Ten on Saturdays? Well, yeah. Usually they start at seven thirty, right? Right. They used to start mad early. I think I think when there's a game on Friday, they get rid of the seven thirty game. I like that. Uh, man, we haven't really talked about wolves. 
But let's see what happens tomorrow. Wolves versus Cardiff. It's a it's a That'd be a good Wolves one. have been kind of on a free fall themselves, so it'll be an interesting watch. Um Yeah, they've been solid team but just haven't been getting the results. And uh I think that this tomorrow's gonna be a fun game. Yeah, thanks for staying tuned, guys. Cardiff out. No. Lone football, you looking nice. Make sure you Lone. guys are following us at Lone Football on Twitter, at Lone Football on Instagram. You can find us at Lone Football on the podcast store. You almost thought that I was not Lone the whole time. You can find me at the Soccer Stone. I'm, I'm still thinking about mine. I think I'm going to be the Stalker Dune. You should be the Stalker guy. <laughs> and just like have pictures of you at Publix, like restocking and stuff. Oh, hell yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for everything. Won't. Won't.